Welcome to Finding Freedom with Inspire Wellness. I'm Gemma, a body image and food freedom coach, anti-diet advocate, and your ultimate hype girl. I'm here to empower you with inspiration, education, and motivation so that you can start living as your happiest and healthiest self, whatever that means to you. I spent years struggling with food, my body, and my mental health until I finally found freedom. Now I'm on a mission to make sure that nobody goes through what I did and to burn diet culture to the ground while I'm at it. I'm obsessed with helping women to ditch the diets, love their bodies, feel confident AF, create sustainable habits, improve their mindset and become their next level selves. So what are we waiting for? Let's do this. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode. So today's episode has been prompted by a couple of different things. One thing is something that keeps coming up in client sessions and another is a conversation that I had on the weekend. So basically today we're talking about the fact that the perfect approach to health does not exist. Now a bit of language that I am trying to remove from my client's vocabulary is the word perfect. Because this comes up all of the time. This is the thing that keeps coming up in client sessions. It's something that's come up in client sessions ever since I started this business, started doing this work. And it's people using the word perfect or aiming for perfection. And the way that it tends to come up is things them saying things like, oh, I mean, I wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. Or yeah, I've been doing really well, but I'm not perfect yet. And this is where we want to get rid of it because perfect does not exist. We are far too focused on perfectionism as a society, really, but particularly when it comes to food and our approach to our bodies and all of this type of stuff, we're all aiming for perfect. We think we need to be perfect. And this is a real, I believe, symptom of diet culture because diet culture, this culture that we're in is this real culture of right and wrong, black and white rules and restrictions. We're all focused on this idea that there is this one big thing we need to be aiming for and anything less than that is not good enough. If you're perfect, then you're good. But if not, then you're bad. You need to change. You need to do more work. And like when you think about it, it's wild. Where did this come from? Why do we have such high standards for ourselves and for other people as well, but particularly for ourselves? I think if you ask most people, and I do ask my clients this all the time, you know, what would you say to a friend? If they said that they needed to be perfect when it came to food and most people are like, oh, I'd be like, well, you know, you don't have to. That's okay If you ate a Freddo frog on Tuesday, that's fine. And yet we don't have the same empathy for ourselves. We have much higher standards for ourselves than for other people. And we believe that we need to be perfect. And yet it's okay if other people aren't, which is wild. It's totally wild when you think about it. So what I really want you to understand is that perfect doesn't exist especially when it comes to health or when it comes to food. I mean, for one thing, there is no agreed on definition of what perfect is. Like perfect is different to so many different people. Perfect to someone who believes that keto is the healthiest approach is going to be wildly different than what perfect means to someone who believes that veganism is the way to go. My definition of perfect is very, I mean, I don't, again, like I said, I don't believe the perfect actually exists, but my definition of perfect very much changed over the years. I remember when I was in high school and I was trying to be healthier and skinnier, but healthier as well. My idea of a perfect day of eating was I would have a small bowl of white rice for lunch. And for me, if I just had a white rice and like an apple while my mum was at work, 
that was a perfect day of eating for me. Like now, I also, I don't know where I got this idea that white rice was the perfect food, but somehow in my head, white rice was like the perfect healthiest food. Don't know why. No idea where that came from. Whereas now, if that was a day of eating for me, I would think that was awful. That was so bad. I would know that I would feel like absolute shit after having that for the day. But for me, that was like tick, perfect day of eating. That was good. So we can't even agree on what perfect means within ourselves, as a community, different areas. We just can't. And in fact, we can't even agree on what health is realistically. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing that we all have different definitions. I think we should all have different definitions and different approaches to health because we're different people. We're individuals. We don't all have to believe exactly the same things. We don't all have to have exactly the same things that are right for every single person because that's just not realistic. That's not how the world works. We are all different and we should lean into that. And that's one of the big reasons why I ask all of my podcast guests what their definition of health is. That's one of those two questions that I ask at the beginning of every single episode with a guest because I love, I love hearing people's answers to that. I love hearing about how their definition has changed because a lot of the time it has for them, same as for me. But for a lot of people, their current definition of health is different to their past definition of health. And I have not had a single guest who's given the exact same answer as another one. Yes, there have been similar themes, but everyone gives me different answers. And that's what I love. And I think we should lean into and we should embrace this because I want to show you that There are different options and you can have your own definition that feels right for you. So what I thought I would do in this episode, just to kick us off, is to share a few of them here, because if you're a long time listener, you've probably heard a whole bunch of them. But I want to give you some examples in a row, just a few of them, just quickly, not even the whole thing, just a snippet of each so that you can hear how different they are so that you can hear that there is no one definition. And maybe that will give you that permission, that validation that you can have your own and that's okay. So let's do that right now. I just think health and happiness are like are in one, if that makes sense. So if you're happy with what you're doing in your life, then that to me is just, is health. So for me, feeling healthy is um, a lot to do with my mental health and how I feel about myself as a person. It's not really anything to do with how my body is physically feeling because if I went just by my body if I had to measure it against some sort of like fitness test or whatever um I would never measure up oh gosh I think that that word feels quite weaponized in the community that we operate in which is like the plus size slash fat community so I find it difficult to to even address that term because we, you know, if we seek medical support, whether it's physical or mental, we can have a real tough time of it because we exist in plus size bodies. So I think healthy is very subjective <laughs> and I wish that um, on a global scale it meant something a lot different to what it can be taken as what health means to me now, now that um, I've had some life experience and worked as a health professional, it's really about giving your body what it needs and being able to tune in to, to hear the cues that it's telling you. Health looks like physically healthy. I love to exercise. I love to move my body. Healthy is moving my body in a way that I actually love, not to punish myself. 
So healthy looks like just a balance of physical health, mental health, and also like being better with my nutrition and bloody drinking water. That's why I've got kidney stones anyway. (laughs) So do you see what I mean? They're different. They're all different. And that goes across every single one of my guests that I've had on here. So I hope that you found that insightful. I found it really, really interesting going back and listening to some of the different ones. And for me personally, my definition of health has changed so much over the years. Originally, like I said, I I obviously had a pretty kind of disordered view of health. For me, health was eating as little as possible. It was eating as little calories as possible. It was about being in the smallest body that I could. For me, that was health. Healthy was skinny. Healthy was restriction, basically. And I truly believed that that was actually a good thing, which shows how warped the views that we have of health are, particularly those of you who, like me, grew up in the 90s and the 2000s. I think for a lot of us, we we were getting that societal messaging that smaller equals better. We were getting that societal messaging that like, oh, you know, just demonizing all of the foods, demonizing fat, now demonizing carbs, all of this type of stuff. Whereas my approach to health now, my beliefs about health are feeling good physically and mentally and also not feeling good physically and mentally with no dips, with no bad days, because for me, that's not realistic. I can still consider myself healthy, even if I'm having a, you know, not so great mental health patch. Like earlier this year, I had a patch of anxiety, like a few months where I was feeling quite anxious and I was struggling a little bit, but I still considered myself healthy throughout that time. Because for me, health is part of my identity. Now it's more of an overall thing. Even if I have a day where I only eat beige foods, get no, you know, vitamins, no minerals, that kind of stuff. I still consider myself healthy because it's overall how I'm feeling. So for me, it's about finding that balance of what feels good, what feels good physically and mentally. It's about moving my body. If that feels right for me, it's about eating vegetables. If that feels right for me, eating pizza, if that feels right for me. So it's very much for me, it's a feeling and it's a part of my identity. And that is not a definition that any of those guests just gave, right? It's all different. So Different definitions of health existing also means that there are different approaches to health. And something that I find really interesting and I'm realizing more and more and more is that two people might have similar definitions of health, but totally different approaches, totally different ways of going about this. And this came up in a conversation that I was having on the weekend. I went up to stay with one of my closest friends. She's just moved up north in Tasmania. Shout out to my friend. She knows who she is. And I went up to visit her and we were chatting basically kind of, I guess, reflecting a little bit on our own approaches to health and how that's changed. Because we've come from quite similar beginnings in some ways. We've had similar paths, I guess, in some ways. So we've both had eating disorders. We were both obsessed with health, health, this whole thing of it. We used to be obsessed with it. We were also obsessed with the way that we looked and really trying to control that. And we were going on this journey at a, that, at a similar time, basically. We also both couldn't keep peanut butter in our house for years because we would just eat the entire jar in one sitting. And this is, I feel like also probably a good example of how the people you surround yourself with very much have an impact on your own life. We were both struggling and one of our other close friends at the time were all struggling at the same time with our bodies with food. And I do believe that we influenced each other in that kind of sense, because when you're surrounded by other people doing the same thing, it makes you feel like you're doing the same thing, which is why we need to stop talking about diets and we need to stop focusing on those kind of things. But anyway, that's a whole rant for another day. So 
Yes, basically, we've come from similar kind of parts. And now, in some ways, we're quite similar as well because we both coach people. She's a PT and a nutritionist. So we both coach people when it comes to food. We both believe now that your relationship with food is just as important as what you're eating. And we're both in a healthy place right now with our approach to food and our approach to our bodies. So while it sounds like, yeah, super similar in a lot of ways, and probably you would expect since we've got this same kind of belief in some ways and same definition, you'd probably expect that our approaches to the way that we eat and the things that we teach our clients and things are the same now, right? No, totally wrong. Our approaches to our own food and our own bodies and our approaches to what we teach our clients are not the same. They're totally different. So I believe, as we know, I believe in food freedom and intuitive eating and listening to your body without rules and restrictions. That's my focus. That's what I do for myself. That's what I do with my clients. But my friend believes in tracking food so that you can meet your macro requirements, particularly focusing on protein. So neither of us are right and neither of us are wrong. They're just different approaches, which is the biggest thing that I want you to take away from this podcast. So it's not that my way is the right way and her way is wrong. Absolutely not. And it's not that her way is right and my way is wrong. We're just different. We just have a different way of approaching health, of approaching food. And she also told me on the weekend that she actually tried eating intuitively recently, but it didn't work very well for her because she said she either couldn't meet her protein targets or like she'd go way above them. Or she also found that she wasn't recovering as well from her exercise due to her nutrition, which exercise is a big, big, big part of her life. It's very important to her. She's a CrossFit athlete. She does multiple different things. Her life is very focused in a healthy way, in a good way around performance, around fitness, around movement. So She's very performance focused. She exercises very intensely. So for her, recovery is really important. For her, hitting her protein targets are really important. Now, because that didn't work for her, because she didn't enjoy intuitive eating, it wasn't right for her body. Does that mean that intuitive eating is bad or wrong? No, it's just not the right approach for her. And for her right now, that's the other thing. So while she's not eating intuitively, while she is tracking and things like that, she can still be very balanced and, you know, non-restrictive compared to what she used to be within that tracking. Like for example, the weekend, she, I was up visiting, staying with her for the weekend. So we had a day out adventuring and we ate out for breakfast and lunch and then dinner. We did a whole MasterChef mystery box type thing, which was so much fun. So she didn't know what she was going to eat that day, right? She wasn't able to like control what she was going to eat that day. She wasn't able to know the macro content of what she was eating that day which meant that she wasn't necessarily going to hit her protein target or meet those goals. So in the morning, before we went out for coffee, before we went and got out delicious almond croissants, she made a fruity protein smoothie in the morning so that she could at least get some form of protein in basically. And this is the thing. She's not stressed about having a day or a weekend of eating, you know, more intuitively or for enjoyment rather than what she'd normally do because she's got this healthy, less restrictive approach to it. And for me, it's like, yeah, good. That's fine. Yes, you are tracking. Yes, you are logging your food and things like that. But she's not doing it in a restrictive way. She's not restricting herself because she can go outside of that. She doesn't feel guilty about our fun weekend with all the foods. She doesn't feel ashamed. She doesn't feel like she needs to go and change things now or, you know, change what she's doing this week because of that, because she's got this healthy approach to it. Now, on the flip side, let's look at me if I went with that. So I've been thinking that I want to focus a bit more on my nutrition to assist with recovery and performance because I've got some goals with running now that she's a running girly. 
But I know that if I went with her tracking approach and I started logging my food, that wouldn't work for me in my mental health. So for me, instead of doing that, instead of going to that approach, I'm just being a little bit more conscious with planning my meals to incorporate more protein rich sources like tofu or tempeh and things like that. I'm, you know, maybe chucking some berries and some protein powder into a smoothie instead of just eating a piece of fruit for my snacks. And I'm doing things that still align with my intuitive lifestyle, but they're coming from a more conscious choice perspective. So I roughly know how much protein my body needs and I roughly know how much is in some of the different food sources, but I'm not tracking it all and planning it out thoroughly. So this is the example. I've tried her approach in the past. She's tried my approach and they're not right for us. We have to find a way of doing things that works for us as individuals because different approaches work for different people. That's the most important thing here. And even like coming from a client perspective. So like I said, both of us coach, my approach might not be great for her clients because most of her clients are athletes. They're focused on improving their performance and being the absolute best that they can be in that sport. So my approach, which is about freedom, which is about enjoyment, which is about satisfaction, might not be the best for them because it might bring them down in their performance, for example. Probably not for everyone, but a lot of them, it might. So my approach for them, not great. And her approach might not be great for my clients who are focusing on body image and having a great relationship with food. Tracking is hugely, hugely triggering for a lot of my clients, for most of my clients. So that wouldn't be good for them. If I sent one of my clients her way, they'd probably have an awful time and they would hate it and they would probably go backwards. And same thing for her clients. If they came to me, they also would not have a good time. It wouldn't suit. So basically different approaches for different people. One is not right. One is not wrong. It's about what works for them. And, you know, we've actually had, we've gone back and forth in a way sometimes. So she's referred a client of hers to me because the client was struggling with her body image. And she realized that tracking might not have the best impact on her mentally, So she came and worked with me and that was a great, a great trade. I suppose it was about what worked for that client. And I've done free coaching sessions with people and I've told them that actually my approach probably isn't the best fit for them right now and recommended that maybe they need someone a bit more like my friend instead. So because while I would never go back to tracking macros and logging my food in my fitness pal ever again, I can still respect that it works for some people. It doesn't work for me because restriction triggers an unhealthy mindset for me, as it does for a lot of my clients, but it works for some people. So the biggest point, my entire point here is there is no one best way. There is no one best approach. It's not a matter of I am right and anyone who tracks calories is wrong, because that's not true. Like while I believe that intuitive eating is right for most people and that dieting is wrong for most people, and while yes, there is plenty of science to back that up, there are still going to be people who don't fit into that. Like intuitive eating is not right for 100% of people. Dieting is not wrong for 100% of people. There is a tiny percentage of people who actually do thrive on traditional diets and they can do it sustainably without negative consequences. But I need to emphasize here, tiny percentage, tiny percentage of people who fit into that, but they do exist. They do exist. So it's all about finding what works for your individual body and mind instead of trying to fit yourself into someone else's box of what is right. So you might be thinking, okay, cool. Thanks, Shema. I thought that your way that you keep talking about was supposed to be the best way. And now what the hell, how am I supposed to find out what is right for me? How am I supposed to find out the best approach to health that works for me as an individual? So let me tell you, I'll tell you how we work that out. 
So first of all, ignore anyone who says that their way is the one best way or the one right way or someone who is so black and white that there's no room for nuance or for individual people's situations. Do not listen to those people. Anyone who says that as a 100% black and white, right and wrong, don't listen to them because that's not right. That's not true. There is literally no one best way. So if anyone is hammering that home that there is, you need to move on and not listen to that person because that person needs a bit of a reality check. But the biggest test that I use is to ask these three questions. I'm going to give you the three questions and you can ask yourself this anytime you're, you know, doing a new, not even necessarily a new, just an approach to food an approach to eating. So the first question is, is it sustainable? And can I do this for the rest of my life? So if you're following a certain way of eating, but you couldn't do it forever, then it's not right for you. Like, Planning to follow an approach for a shorter period of time, such as like until you lose 10 kilos or until your wedding or until you're 50 and can settle down into being an adult who doesn't care as much about their appearance. And 50 year olds, please do not come for me. That is not how I feel. That means that you're going to go back to how you were eating before. And any perceived benefits of that approach to food are also going to disappear when you stop eating that way. And often that's when we start on a new diet because we want those results back and Yo-yo dieting is incredibly bad for our health. Yo-yo dieting is one of the worst things that we can do for our health here. So if you're on a diet right now or a way of eating right now, and you're thinking about whether this is sustainable, like if you want to do this for the rest of your life, ask yourself this, like, do you really want to be 70 and saying no to a cookie that your grandchild baked you because it's got too many carbs? No, nobody wants that. Think about it that way, honestly. Okay. Question number two to ask yourself is, do I feel restricted at all? Now, you know that diets are restrictive because you listen to this podcast and they generally come along with a long list of food rules. Every single one of them, despite often preaching about how much freedom that you have in that diet, like, oh, you can eat whatever you want as long as it doesn't contain X amount of carbs or as long as it's from this list of approved foods, as long as it fits into your calorie intake, as long as it's between these hours, as long as it fits your macros, as long as you don't exceed this arbitrary number of points that we've allocated to foods. I'm looking at you, WW or whatever you're called now. They've all got the rules. They often say they don't have the rules, but they've got the rules. And restricting foods, as we know, often makes us want them even more. It's not just you being weak or failing at your diet. It's your body and your brain reacting to the restrictive mindset and trying to protect you. So if you've told yourself that you can't eat chocolate, you're probably not going to be able to stop thinking about chocolate, which that can lead to binging, which leads to guilt and shame, which often leads to further restrictions. So it's this vicious cycle. And it's one that we can only remove ourselves from by removing the restriction from our lives. So if you feel restricted at all, it's not for you. You need to move on. You need to find something different. And the final question is, does this make me feel good physically and mentally? So if your approach to food isn't making you feel good, stop, stop. If you're low in energy or feel sick, dizzy, lethargic, or anything else that makes you feel bad, it's not the best way of eating for your body. There is no need to push your way through feeling terrible because someone told you that it eventually gets better. And as well as making you feel good physically, the way you eat should also make you feel good mentally. Both are equally as important as each other. So while your body might feel good from one way of eating, if it's causing those feelings of missing out or guilt or shame, like I just mentioned, then it's not worth it. You can find a way that makes you feel good on the inside and on the outside. So 
for me, intuitive eating is the only thing that has ticked those three boxes long-term. Like there was always a honeymoon period where I started something new, like intermittent fasting or tracking my macros, where I believed that it was sustainable. I believed that it wasn't restrictive. And I, I, you know, I felt great at the time, but that never lasted very long at all. Now I've been eating intuitively for about four years now, and I can honestly say that doing this for the rest of my life is going to be a breeze. I'm not restricted in the slightest and I feel bloody wonderful about it. So that's my best approach to food, but it doesn't mean that everyone who thrives off something else is wrong. It's just different for them. It's just a different approach because there is not one perfect approach. So if you're curious about intuitive eating and you want to understand more so that you can find out if it's right for you, I have got a self-guided online program called Intro to Intuitive Eating, which will help you to find that healthy balance with food without getting sucked back into unhealthy habits. So normally you can snap that up for $97, but today you can save 20% using the code Finding Freedom, all one word, all capital letters, just for my podcast listeners only. So if you want that, link is in the show notes to learn more and snap that one up. But hopefully that's given you a bit of an idea of how there is no one right way. There is no one perfect approach. So please remove the word perfect from your vocabulary. We don't need that. You are never going to be perfect with food because it is impossible because perfection does not exist. So please find a bit more freedom, find a bit more joy, give yourself some credit instead of always feeling like you're failing because you haven't met this impossible standard that you've set for yourself. That is it for me from today. I'll see you next week.